Hello, and welcome to episode 56 of the Podding Shed. As real football pauses for what feels like the 12th international break of the season so far, Stamford Bridge is even quieter than usual with the majority of the squad away playing Euro 2016 qualifiers or a load of pocket-lining friendlies. That said, with recent wins over Liverpool and QPR and Jose's entry into the atmosphere debate, there is still plenty for us to talk about. Joining me, Dare Kaiser, or Johnny as I'm otherwise known, to ponder the last fortnight or so in Chelsea terms are Dr Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Good evening. Grosser Jack, who is Tony. Hello. And So Contrary, who is Mark. Hello. Thanks as always. Um, we will kick off with um, with Liverpool. I, I'll preface this by saying what I was saying just before we came on air. I think we've since the the late equaliser against, um, well, United got the late equaliser against us. We've been not at our absolute best, but we've been getting results. And I think Liverpool was probably um, probably a sort of a case in point. So, well, certainly the first half performance was not not the best. Um, but we came through um, with a 2-1 win. Um, Tone, I think you saw it. Kick us off. Uh, the Liverpool game. Yes. Yes, yeah, I thought um, I thought it was, to be honest with you, I thought it was one of our better performances of the season. We do seem to be have a, um, a, a quite decent ability to lift our game. Uh, I was going to say against major opponents, which people are saying, well, they're, <laughs> they're not really, but they are, aren't they? Let's face it, Anfield is not going to be easy for anybody. And... Um, uh, you know, irrespective of their troubles, um, you know, they, they were always going to lift their game, um, probably um, with a hint of revenge hanging around culturally within the whole club because of, um, well, let's face it, we you know we absolutely bollocksed their dreams of the Premiership up last year, didn't we? And mm. um, uh, wasn't it after us they went on to throw away a three goal lead against. God, I can't remember who it was. They, Wimbledon, they, they, what it was? I mean, I don't know. I think they, they, they blew it against Palace. Against Palace. That's we right. note that um, I think I think they played Newcastle immediately after that, and the Newcastle fans were singing 24 years and you fucked it up at Palace. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. So, Which I, was rather really enjoyable. Um, and and I, I must admit, I thought Mourinho um, got it dead right this time as well. I think he's been... He's been um, Level. He's been sort of singled out for a bit of criticism in the last games. You know, certainly sort of uh, Manchester United and QPR and and possibly even Maribor, where there's there's been this signalled intent of bringing on John Obi Mikel or similar um, for the last ten fifteen minutes, which is basically telling everybody that we're going to hang on for that one goal lead. Um, and he didn't do that against Liverpool, and mm. he kept the team out there, kept us basically a, a, a team out there that seemed to be willing to try and go forward and, and take the game to them. And we were exposed a little bit. Uh, you know, at one or two periods during a game, but I mean, it wouldn't be a game of football unless you had the other team coming at you for some, you know, at some point. Um, but outstanding performances from some players in the team, um, uh, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to single out Diego Costa because the bloke is just. He's just a beast, isn't he? You know, just nobody, nobody in the Premiership is going to want to have to stand up against him. Uh, and, mm. and to me, he's got everything um, uh, that, that Didier Drogba had in his prime, um, including a bit of a nasty streak. Drogba never really had. He had a bit of a, a petulant streak, maybe, if mm. anything. But um, with Costa, there's a real... There's this bloke that you think, do you know what? In, I'd have you in the trench with me because I think you'd just be a nasty little shit who'd be there, you know, for finding ways of, of 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 just cheating to get something, you know, just doing whatever it took. And I really like his attitude. The fact that mm. you know he, his clearest chance in the game was the, the goal he scored, and it was just 
there was there was no question. There was no Fernando Torres like um, you know dithering around or thinking it through. Is this somebody to lay it off to? No, bollocks, just Wallet. lash it and mm. you know and and he hits it perfectly. He hits it into the ground and and it was fabulous to see. It really was yeah. just a well, fabulous was, um, fabulous thing, you know. And um, but it was good. I also want to give a mention to somebody. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. Uh, no, I was just in terms of um, in terms of Costa, it was. The, the the sort of the scrap that was going on between him and Skirtle was was cracking good good old school centre half and centre forward just duking it out and um, and yeah. fair play fair play to Skirtle I don't think he f- he fell into the category of I don't want to face this guy he seems to be loving every minute of it and um, as as did Costa but you know only, yeah. only one came out on top some, but, some history uh, there as well I think from the Spain Slovakia game I yeah. think um, I believe there was a bit of afters <laughs> I think a, the bit, a bit of verbals etc but, yeah. Um, but yeah no, it was, a, it was a really good one to watch yeah. actually and I just want to mention one more player it was easy we could, I could sit here and mention the whole team but uh, Gary Cahill he is becoming he, he, he just seems to be a bit of underrated or unsung hero at the moment for me um, he scored an unfortunate own goal in that game which I don't think he could have done anything about okay but then he no, gets the yeah. equaliser um, and I mean, he did a bit of a baby giraffe impression diving onto the floor and what have you. But I was a bit disappointed because I actually watched the game that England played against Slovenia. I thought he had a cracking game and not a single mention. Not a single mention of just how... Maybe it's because he's doing the Mania Matic kind of quietly going around, not making a big deal out of it. But I think he's been fantastic this season, Gary Cahill. I think, we, you know, he, he has been, for me, every bit as good as John Terry. Absolutely, no, I, th- I think yeah. he's. Um, I think he's very good, and I think you know the fact that people people aren't remark- remarking about it. Maybe it means it's because it's it's just becoming the norm. It's not not something that you're passing comment on because you know it's it's what you've come to expect. Um, I t- we, we have to we have to do it on the subject of the own goal. Did you see Brendan Rogers or Brenton Rogers as we we should really term it? No, from now on. Um, did you see his co- his comment after the game about the goal? No. Well, he opened up, you know, Skip Sky, Journo sticks the mic under his nose and, you know, what do you think? And blah, 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 blah. We scored a good goal. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was a goal and they all count and we we, we aren't quibbling and are awarding marks to start. But by no means it was a good goal. It was a very lucky deflected own goal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a man under pressure, isn't he? It, yes, a man spouting an awful lot of old cock, but yes. Um, but yes, there we go. Um, Mark, chip in your thoughts. Because did you go, by the way? Or no, you... I didn't. No. But um, is Diego Costa really that tough and hard? Well, I wouldn't like to ask him myself, but well, he was wearing gloves. Very true. It was the, the Andre Shevchenko. Did didn't he? Wasn't That's he probably he only to hide. The skinned knuckles. <laughs> uh, could be that. Starting I think he's quite a tough from, nut, actually. I think you know, um, from a, an evening spent punching mirrors in bathrooms <laughs> and things like that. It would be my guess. I don't know. Of it, sure. yes. Uh, going by my own school experience, where when I punched the wall of the church instead of the bloke I was aiming at, I then spent the whole of my lesson with my jumper down over my knuckles to hide to hide the skinned knuckles from the. <laughs> the nuns and you know ins- insert for nuns insert referee and other watching media mm, <laughs> that's my theory anyway seeing as someone who did used to go to uh, choir practice obviously Donald that you can't make a bit more noise when you get to the bridge but anyway I'd like to point out Mark there, there's some factual inaccuracy I was never in the choir I was in the school orchestra uh-huh. I played the tuba 
And I believe if I turned up at Stamford Bridge playing the tuba, um, that wouldn't be welcomed. <laughs> well, I'm sure the steward would just say, oh, it's you, and I can see you're pleased to see me. <laughs> anyway, going back to Costa, and I think he yes, is quite tough, actually. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. And um, when you look at what we've got at the back with John Terry and Diego up front, if we could get Vinnie Jones back in, I think we've got the makings of um, Mean Machine 2. <laughs> ready for filming. It's a real menace. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the um, own goal by, uh, the, the handball rather, from uh, Gary Cahill that didn't give a penalty. I mean, he was trying desperately hard throughout the game to give a penalty. Anytime he saw the ball coming towards him, he leaned in with his arm. Yeah. And he finally actually managed to hit it in the last few minutes. But Liverpool is all about injustices. They they must have the largest back catalogue on injustices. And to have the privilege of adding one more, the injustice of not getting a penalty in the it's always 89th a minute thing. is a fantastic way to win the game. So it was very, very pleasing. Mm. No, I think, uh, you know, between last season and um, Stevie Gerrard falling flat on his arse and... Um, and <laughs> Gary Cahill and um, and the inevitable squeals of handball from the cop and so on and so forth. It's uh, it's all rather even makes it even more pleasing, frankly. Well, my um, understanding it was uh, <clears throat> Gary Cahill was doing this on behalf of uh, this was the uh, William Gallus retirement uh, memorial injustice because obviously the introduction <laughs> the introduction of goal line technology meant that they could no longer risk letting the ball go halfway into the net like old what's-his-name did up at Man United against Tottenham a few years back and then just booting it straight out and hoping that the referee didn't give a goal. Because mm. obviously with goal-line technology, you can't do that. So we couldn't recreate the ghost goal and have it not given. So the, other, the nearest thing to do was for one of the centre-backs to keep batting the ball around with his hands all afternoon <laughs> and, and not get done for it. So I believe it was, it was done in, you know, as a nod towards... A nod towards towards history and all that. Um, I think I, I would yeah. just very briefly like to, um, to to chip in a quick mention of um, Dave, Mr. Aspiliqueta, who I thought had a fantastic game. Um, it obviously made the um, made the winner as well. Um, I thought he, I think he's been in exceptionally good form, and um, in that game in particular, I was um, I was hugely impressed. Um, it's um, the, the, so the the only real concern I had, and I think it's 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 probably going to be a recurring theme, was um, was Liverpool's goal, and certainly for big chunks of the, the first half, Matic and Fabregas seemed to be several poles apart, and there were big big holes in the midfield that Liverpool were running through with gay abandon and not really making any great use of. Um, but there was just there's just a Sort of a slight disconnect. Fabregas obviously is not not there for his defensive qualities, but there are sort of there's the odd game where we've um, we've just looked a wee bit open, and um, you know we're still still not keeping clean sheets. We're still conceding goals, which is you know I know I appreciate a recurring theme. What I've, I'm, something I've mentioned before. Um, Donald, I don't know if you caught the game, but spill forth your thoughts. Um, no, I, I didn't. I had to listen uh, to it on the radio. And You um, had to listen to it? So someone forced you to listen to it? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> no, no, I mean, it's a, when I say had to, that's that's my own personal inner devotion to the club okay, that I've supported good. all these years. Excellent. Yeah, yeah there, there was no, yeah. Um, 
So I had to listen to it on the radio because um, other forms of media were not available to me at the time. Noted. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't let the game pass without following it. Um, my, my general impression was, and I think some of it's been borne out, is that we were a little bit um, a little bit on the back foot early on. But certainly, by the time we scored the second goal. Um, it was it was fairly obvious from listening to the rhythm and the commentary and so on that we were spending long periods in possession and long periods in their half. Mm. And then when we did score, and obviously the the old thing of score effect comes into this in that when when you do score a goal, the team naturally pushes forward, you naturally defend. But I was aware that as the game wore on and on, we were conceding more and more ground, and Obviously, you can blow this up out of proportion in that that's possibly what every team does, but you start to get a bit manic about it. I suppose that's driven a bit by what happened with United and what happened with City. But I became convinced, you know, that at some Mm. point we were going to concede, which we didn't. And it may not have been as bad as it looked. Uh, Certainly on, um, on Match of the Day, with their natural Liverpool bias, I'm sure they showed every... Every ball that went, you know, within about half a mile of our goal, and and there wasn't that many in the end. So, um, from that point of view, it's a good performance, and it was good to see Costa continuing to get goals. He may not be getting a lot of chances, but he's mm. he's getting goals because I think it's just important to keep that threat rolling because it it influences how other teams play you if if they if they know similarly with City and Aguero if they know there's a proven goal scorer and obviously Liverpool had it last year with Suarez I think it affects the way teams approach you if they mm, think yes. you're a little bit blunt they're going to take more risks but they know that, that Costa is not only just a, a big physical presence um, and, and I think it's worth also on, on Diego Costa saying that he, he has the dark side to him but I, I, at the moment I think it's a, it's a proper dark side Not he's not in the sort of Dean Saunders, Sergio Aguero, jump on top of a player with studs, you know, any opportunity he gets. I think this is much more of an upright, you know, give you an elbow, you give me an elbow, Mm. you know, I'll scrap it out with you. That's the way I see him at the moment. I don't think he's... Quick pro quo and all that. Yes, he's not a sort of man to go around and kick someone up the backside when they're not looking. At least at the moment, obviously now on Saturday, he'll do something Mm. appalling blindside someone but. It's, um, it, it bring, brings to mind the um the old the line from um long good, good friday i can't remember the name of the the, the chap who got blown to was it eric eric never hurt a fly well not unless it was necessary anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that kind of it's got that kind of yeah. to it he won't thump you not unless you really deserve it hmm. but um but yes no, I, I i can i can see exactly where you're coming from um yeah, I th- I t- actually, I'd, I'd, I would apologise to the team. Actually, I think I was probably a bit harsh in um, in my opening comments in, in terms of the fact that we've, we've not been good, actually. Yeah, it was a better performance than we'd put in in recent weeks. It was certainly, certainly an, an improvement on QPR. Um, and I, I think Hazard had another good game, didn't he? He seemed to be yes. you know, posing a threat the whole time, yeah, from what I remember of the game. He shoots his shooter. His shooting boots are a, a wee bit awry at the moment, aren't they? He's not. Um, mm. He's not not putting the um, putting the chances away. But if, if the, you know that's 
I think that's a, a te- hopefully a temporary aberration, and it will um, it will come back. But um, but he's always tying up two players, isn't he? And when he tie, if he's tying up two players, it means there's space somewhere else. And this season, we appear to be making more use of that that yes. space that he's creating by pulling defences out of shape. People like Fabregas are able to play balls into areas, and people like Costa are using their movement to to mm. take advantage of these things, which I think yeah. is all good. Well, I think if you're throwing um, throwing Oscar into that um, into that as well, he's yes, he certainly uh, picked up, hasn't he? He seems to have got over the World Cup hangover to some yeah. extent. And um, but the interplay, you know, he's, he's 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 winning the ball a lot, and he's doing an awful lot of of running around and grafting, and it's it reminds me a little bit um, when he was when he was good of Deco when he was at Barcelona, just that. I was going to say, blimey, I don't remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that from Deco that we got anyway. Not, not the player that we were on the odd occasion. But I don't know, Deco still did, uh, did the business the, quite. The odd game you know. every now and again. But yeah, when he was mm. in Barcelona, he was that proper little engine, just tick, 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 always always running, always available, always winning the ball. Mm. Um, that's sort of a little bit what Oscar reminded me of um, at the moment. But um, And I, I think the other big plus from that game was what happened in every other game <laughs> that weekend. I think that was the other, you know, to pick up those, you know, what, what at the beginning of the season you'd mark down as a very difficult game. One, because you'd have thought Liverpool would carry more threat and two, because we're away at Anfield. Uh, and three, there was the revenge for last season and to mm. come away with the three points and then see everyone else... Um, a Norman Wisdom putting up a deck chair impression was, <laughs> was, was quite, yeah, you know, quite, sort of quite useful. It, yeah, particularly as we were going into November, where traditionally we all get a bit nervous. It, it just gave us that little bit extra mm. breathing space, which I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll we may we'll need, need. You know, well, it's, um, I mean, it's a good. Um, it's a, we've we've been. It, it, the northwest, you know, it, it has the has the odd banana skin about it. We've we've been to to both Merseyside clubs. We've been to both Manchester clubs. Yeah. So th- there's those trips out of the way. We've got the, the two northeast games in a week um, over what well, the end of this month, beginning of next. Yeah. Um, and then you know there's 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 a, there's a lot of London derbies, which Jose tends to sort of fare reasonably well in. Um, and when do we go up to Burnley and get a pasting? Because obviously we'll have we'll have dominated the North West and then go up there and lose five nil. That was, that was we'll the opening first, game of the season. Yeah, first game of the season. We, was that away? Was it? It yeah. was indeed. We were oh, up there as well. I'd, they might as well hand the trophy over now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, but um, but yeah, I think you know, just in terms of in terms of sort of tricky away trips, that's that's a big chunk of them mm. done already. And I mean, you know, we, we're still yet to go to Southampton, which you know, at the beginning of the season, you may not have thought was um, was any particular um, any particular problem. But that's um, I think the only thing I'd say about Southampton, and this is not to say that it's not a difficult game and they're not doing well, is that out of all the teams at the top, they have. They seem to, have, you know, we've played Arsenal and Liverpool and United, and you know, quite a few of those not, games. That, yeah, they've, they've not really played anyone. They've not really played any of the, you know, 
what you consider the big teams yet. That's not to say that they're not perfectly capable of getting good results. It's just mm. to say that it, it's difficult to judge exactly how well they're going until they've played a few of those. Ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, if you know, if you if you look at it, they, they've they've played. Uh, I think in terms of sort of you know reasonably supposedly decent sides, they played Liverpool and Spurs and lost to both of them. They're, mm. they're the two mm. games they've lost, and they're the teams two defeats. Yeah. yeah, so mm. I, t- I was I was pondering with the Southampton fan the other night, and he said, "Yeah, you know, it's it's a big test when we start." You know, moving in towards the um, in, in the teams at the top half of the table, and um, we'll see how we go. But, um, but I mean, it, obviously, in terms of the Premier League, we're um, we're sitting reasonably pretty, um, four points ahead, um, West Brom, um, and then I think we've got yes, West Brom, Sunderland away, Newcastle, oh, Spurs at home, then Newcastle away. Um, so it's a, a tricky little run of games over the next couple of weeks it's a very packed schedule it really is I mean you're looking at it's um, I mean you've got yeah you've got Sunderland then a few days later Spurs then three days after that Newcastle four days after that Sporting and three days Mm. after that you've got Hull and Mm. then another three days after that you've got we're away to Derby and then well, about a week, about six days away to Stoke, and then we're into a Christmas schedule. So I will tell you what, mm. this is mm. this is this is um, you know uh, uh, sweaty. Um, yeah, yeah, squeaky bum yeah. time. Sorry, squeaky bum. I was thinking sweaty bum time. I don't. No, hang on a minute. You're mixing. You're mixing your football yes, metaphors. Yes, I am. Yeah. Squeaky bum time is 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 April. You, you, yeah. you're, you're getting previous there. Um, but you're obviously, no. getting sponsored by that cream that disconcertingly is always promoted on your Twitter feed as you open it up for <laughs> anal itch. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the most inappropriate and unwelcome yeah. piece of advertising <laughs> there is on social well, media. I, I, I've never seen that advert, but presumably it's based on previous buying patterns or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't worry, I get it too. I it's, it's a concern, but, um, but no, Tony, to, to, to try and drag this, drag this conversation back out of the gutter. Um, no, Tony, you are absolutely right. Uh, between... Well, Saturday the 22nd, and this Saturday when we play West Brom, and Monday the 22nd of December, so it's a calendar month, we've got nine games. Yeah. So yep. it's um, it's thick and fast. And, um, and teams like Southampton and Manchester for United don't have that sort of schedule, and that can be a, a bit of a help, you know, if you're carrying some reasonable form like Southampton are. Mm. And it's a good time to perhaps be playing the bigger teams when they're starting to hit the heavy schedule. Yeah. That... Uh, you know, European games and, and Premier League games and cup games start to, to throw at them. So, mm. no, indeed. You know, indeed. I look at I look on what we've got at the moment as a as a useful buffer rather than the uh, uh, you know a gaping gap that will never be closed. Yeah. Which you know is mm. obviously the way the media build it up. I just see it as a, a little bit of a cushion to maybe help us through a, a tough time. Well, uh, to be fair, I think when you look at, uh, against teams that we probably wouldn't have expected, I mean, Man City are still eight points off of us, which I agree that I don't ever think of that as a lot. Arsenal, 12 points off us. Let's face it, we're we're still going to be looking at them as favourites, the the clubs I'm mentioning as favourites, to finish in or around that top four and be Mm. our main threats. Arsenal, 12 points behind us. I mean, that's that... You know, that's us losing four games and then winning four games and not... Do you know what I mean? And, and that yeah, yeah. It's between a- now and the end of the season. And then you look at 
you know, f- even further back, where you might expect Liverpool and Spurs with 15 points adrift of us. I mean, that you know, we we, we would be talking. Cla- I don't want to tempt fate here, but even I can't see a, a, a kind of a collapse. <laughs> you never fate. want to tempt fate, Tony. But uh, on every podcast, yeah, you invariably do. I do, but I just you know, even even you know, with the, the most superstitious side of me, looks at that and thinks 15 points is. You know, this time absolutely thing. nothing can go wrong. Yeah. There. yeah, well, you know, it's not far off that. Surely, I mean, you'd have to have. Well, I, I always think there's always one team that can put a real run together, and you only need a bit of a sticky. You don't even need like one sticky patch. You just need to have a couple of slips between now and Christmas, a couple of slips after Christmas, mm. and if one of those teams does recover some sort of composure, and you'd probably say City would be the ones that you'd... City yeah. would, would be the one you're more likely to do it. I'm not writing Arsenal off, but, you know, I'd certainly rather be where we are than behind. Oh, yeah, know, of course. Yeah. If, but, if we uh, do hit that um, sticky patch, maybe you could get in touch with Jose. Don't I just tell him where to get that cream from? <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I was, that's why I was saying I'd, I'd prefer to think of it as a cushion. You know, one of those inflatable <laughs> rings that inflatable you, can, ring? <laughs> you can sit on rather than cream because it's, you know, while the whole, you know, subject is rather somewhat off-putting, uh, just sitting on an inflatable ring rather than applying some form of cream, it just from a mental imagery point of view, just mm. is easier to deal with. Well, I, I, do, I, I do hope that, um, you know, if, if, if the listener is, is suffering from, from similar problems, that um, this, this little talk has... <laughs> has helped him you know I'd be, be very pleased we've provided that kind of public service well we normally do literature and, and stuff like that now we're, we're moving into the sort of more the medical the, the practicalities yeah. of life and all but, that. but to help the listener I think in all, in all coverage of future games we, we mustn't use the phrase piling on the pressure <laughs> <laughs> It would, yes. be, it, it would yeah. be it would be inappropriate, wouldn't it? it, would, yeah. it would. Um, <laughs> we shall. Um, uh, talking of arseholes, we shall go back to QPR. Um, um, very good. It was fairly base, but you know, I think um, in the circumstances necessary. Yeah. Um, the the game uh, again, not not our um, not our finest performance. I thought um, uh, their goal was was was. Shoddy and, and scrappy, and uh, I'm very keen on Courtois, and he, he comes across his very, very well. But there was an awful lot of flapping going on for that. Um, but one through in the end, um, Eden Hazard knocked his penalty home, and um, um, and we kept the pressure up. So um, all good. It was most notable um, for for Jose's intervention about um, the volume or lack thereof at Stamford Bridge. Um, his, his exact. You actually read through his exact quote. He, you know, he, he did make a point of saying, "I don't question the love or the passion, but it's kind of, it was like being in an empty stadium." Which, you know, let's be honest, we've all grumbled about some uh, greater volume. He was numbers. referring to the first twenty minutes, wasn't he? He wasn't it's, talking about the whole game. Not the whole game, yeah. Which, which I have to say, because having seen the, the sound bites, I did initially wonder. Well, hang on a minute. Was that was actually one of the better? The better atmosphered games that um, that I've I've been to in, in recent um, in recent times, um, but yeah, it, it was just the the initial opening salvos. But um, and I think he was he was using it more to have a dig at the officials, wasn't he? Was it about the officials waking up? He started on about someone being half asleep and then referred to the crowd, didn't he? It was there was um, someone else. Was it the, the officials or something? There was something about. It was some other comment that he made before he, t- he spoke about the crowd. 
And it was almost to me as though maybe he was lobbying the crowd in just to avoid getting his usual 10 grand fine for criticising. Uh, was it officials okay. he was? No, there was no, something he said. I shall, um, I shall have to dig out the, um, the, the, the full quote and see what... Um, yeah, as a trained historian, I always said. look to the original sources. Um, mm. No, indeed, indeed. Well, otherwise, you get the you know the usual selective quotes, don't you? Which is then which quite, is, well, it's quite easy to put a, a completely alternate context around or, or, or different different one on it, and that's what annoyed. Well, that yeah, I, you know, he I, definitely I, said I, it, and he meant oh, something. Yeah, no, by he, it, but, he, uh, he did, he did. Uh, um, but you know, I mean, I. I, I you know, I mean, we're, we're entering into this conversation about it now. Um, I don't think I've ever seen such a punch of bedwetting morons <laughs> as I've seen on Twitter with people going, you know, you know, what, what's he, you know, why is it, the manager's got no right to say that? Well, he has, he's got every right to an opinion or mm. a comment as anybody else has, right? And, and, and then someone else described him as coating the fans off. What the I d- fuck I ha- are you talking about? I have that's- to. I have to say, if, <sighs> if that's the worst coating off you've ever had, then frankly, you've led a very sheltered life. Exactly, and I found it just you know. I mean, there is a, a kind of precious uh, nature among some people that you know the, the, the fans are. The, every everything is about the fans. It's not about the players. It's not about the coaching staff. It's not about anybody else who works at the club behind the bars or the stewards or anything like that. It's all about the fans. Now I grant you one thing: we're the only people pay to go in that ground. Okay, if people choose not to sing or they choose to watch the match quietly or because they got a stinking hangover or because they got lost their voice or whatever because they got a cold <laughs> or whatever, and and to me this bollocks about stand up and sing and all that. This is this that's this this, this, this the crowd meant is crowd bullying mentality and I, my, my view well, of that is fuck off I'll sing when I want to sing and I'll shout when I want to shout I won't shout because some idiot is standing going sing up I won't do it you you, know, you sh- Tony, Tony you're shouting now I am I am because I found it I think it was more the precious nature you know, people, I can turn around and tell people to shut up and, and there was a, quite a nice touch at the minute silence when there was a load of yobos out the back and someone did I, I think I heard the word shut your mouth you bunch of whatever um <laughs> to them or whatever but what I, I i find most more than anything else is this whining mewling i've used this phrase before of this mentality of, yes of these people just got nothing better to do than to sit and say well he's got no right to say this well he's the coach the manager of the club he's trying to get the players fired up and motivated for every game if if, if people can't be asked to do that themselves then fine don't whinge about it when someone makes a comment about it because let's face hmm. it he isn't the first he won't be the last no so, indeed yeah. well it's um it, it kind of it sparked a, an interesting debate which is which is a good thing because it wasn't um it, it, the, the way it was picked up in the media was actually quite interesting because they didn't go immediately down the route that, that it was it's just Chelsea and you know that we're, we're all a bunch of overpaid yuppies who you don't really get football it was actually picked up upon and, and you know a, and framed as a much bigger problem in terms of where the atmosphere has gone at premiership grounds and you know there's there's notable exceptions I, I think Palace is you know regarded you know obviously not all of the time but is regarded as you know having a much b- a better core fan base for making a bit of a row and so on and so forth um but there's there's, there's obviously an, there's an awful lot of opinions been thrown out there you know do do we need do we need more standing do we need cheaper tickets to bring back a section of the fan base that's been lost do we need more you know an area for 
younger folk or, or cheaper t- ticket prices for younger folk to get more kids in because there's i mean there's certainly no question about it from our point of view tone where we sit you i kind of look around and it, it's it's not the youngest of crowds is it no, if, if we're truthful no, it's no. um so i think yeah there's 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 a combination of factors that has has made it I think it's a yeah, different environment. Yeah, I think, yeah. I wasn't at that game, so I don't know about that game itself. And by the way, it wasn't a dig at the officials. He was having a dig about the lights. Those lovely new LED oh, yeah, lights. As discussed on this very podcast yes. no more than a month ago. Yeah, they did come um, on very late, Donald. They did. They, yes. I mean, there was a, a distinct sense of gloom. And we yeah. were sitting there thinking, do you know what? It's getting harder and harder to see this. Uh, and do, we, the, do you think we all had some sort of mass, seasonally effective seasonally effective disorder? Yeah. We all had what the crowd. They had twenty minutes of seasonally effective disorder. Yeah, Once the bright the lights were on, away they went. But the, the, it was the, the chirping fact that when like the, canaries. When the lights mm. came on, you know, it was a, you know, the, there was a big cheer that went round the ground. The loudest mm. one up to that point, I'd imagine, um, mm. because the, what given, given the age of the crowd, given that. Normally, when that sort of low mood lighting is around them, they've probably been sort of wheeled into their room to settle down for the evening, etc., etc. You know, they've finished their games of cribbage and bridge and therefore are now winding. You know, that's what's going to happen. Obviously, if you had younger people, they would all be taking mind-enhancing drugs, jumping about the place and screaming and yelling as it got darker. So I think it's a combination of lighting and age is going to create this sort of problem. And I, I, on a more serious note, I do think it is the mix of the, the crowd mix, because younger people are always going to be the ones on their feet making more noise. That's just, you know, that's just joint pain that comes with age and stiffness <laughs> and so on and so forth. But also, when you know, I, uh, I travel away, yeah, I, I travel away with Chelsea quite often. Mm. And um, whenever we go away, everyone stands up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So whether it's no, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand people, they all mm. stand up. So it would be interesting to um, survey the average age of the away fan compared to the home fan mm. to see if it's a youth thing. And also, I don't know if it is a price issue because away tickets are roughly the same price as home tickets, mm. and they mm. may sometimes they may be ten quid less. You know, I've just bought the Newcastle tickets; they're forty-four quid. Yeah. Mm. So a Chelsea ticket at home might be fifty-four quid. But we will have three to 4,000 people at Newcastle, and it's going to cost more than the 10 quid difference in um, ticket price to get to Newcastle. Oh, yes. Mm. So you're spending a lot more on your weekend out at Newcastle to follow Chelsea than you are to watch Chelsea play Newcastle at Stamford Bridge. True. So I, I don't think it's a price issue. I, I just think it's, for some reason, there's a different um, attitude of the fan. And whereas I'm um, happy to sit at Stamford Bridge and get a bit disgruntled every time someone says if you hate Tottenham, you know, whatever it is stand up um, but away I, I really don't, I resent sitting down I like standing up away mm, Yeah, no, it makes a difference um, The I thing think- is, I, don't, I think the sort of solid two to 5,000 that would travel away you're travelling away from home there is that sort of I, on the one hand I think you're talking about people who have a perhaps a, a greater enthusiasm you know 50,000 people or 40,000 people aren't going to have all exactly the same level of emotional drive about the team they might follow the team they might have followed them for 40 years they might have spent lots and lots of money but perhaps the people who travel away one you're 
you're more cohesive as a crowd because you are, as it were, in someone else's territory. You know, you're going down to this sort of fairly, you know, is it Desmond Morris or someone? You know, sort of our animal behaviours. So you're you're more likely to behave in that fashion. Whereas amongst forty thousand people, you're not going to you're not going to get that number of people with that same single-minded drive as it were it's it's just human nature it's just statistics but what what the modern ground doesn't allow for is for that two to five thousand vocal enthusiasts to cohere in one part of the ground they're all now spread out amongst forty thousand seats and therefore yeah no true i agree good point mm, yeah. I, I think there's also from from the, the limited number of away games i've been to <laughs> It's, it's predominantly more of a male environment, whereas actually if you look at Stanford Bridge, not just Stanford Bridge, let's just take that one out of it. I mean, if you look at a lot of the Premiership grounds now, you know, the, the goal of the Premiership, uh, if you like, to open up the game and to take it to a wider audience, a bigger demographic spread, as it were, has definitely happened. You've got far more families, far more women, you know, far more ethnic diversity within the ground. You've only got to look at the number of day visitors or whatever that you might get who are prepared. I don't think nothing of paying a quid for, for a couple of tickets or whatever. Um, it's far more cosmopolitan than it ever was when I used to go and stand in the shed, for example. And I, th- you know, I think that, that, that it's indicative of the game has moved on. It's, it's much more uh, a premium product. Whether you like that or not, that's what it is in comparison to the days in 1977-78 standing in the shed with the Matthew Arden stand pretty much deserted or run down or other grounds that were in poor condition. It's, it's a very different thing. It, it is. And, and I think that was it. there's an inevitable side effect to that, which is it's going to be a little bit more, dare I say it, middle class. And they, you know, they traditionally might not like that, but it is but, but to, to be To be fair, Tony, no one... I, 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 I was never actually there... But no one who, during the 1970s or 80s or whenever, on the odd occasion, they televised the hockey internationals from Wembley, where you had, you know, upwards of 60,000 screaming schoolgirls could say that, you know, that girls or women would not, you know, be vocal and not excited about a sporting event. Uh, You know, people pay vast amounts of money to go and watch the NFL at Wembley and be very vocal the sort of perhaps a different uh, class mix of people go down to go down to Twickenham uh, supporting England and sing songs well one major song which they spend most of their time you know suggesting that they all engage in some form of self abuse so <laughs> you know it, um, i think it's 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 the it's the nature of i think one of the things is when people go to Twickenham or they go to watch the NFL or whatever they they go there prepared to make some noise to be enthusiastic about what's going on you know during the olympics lots of, of families and people went to the olympic stadium and when mm. usain bolt and people like that were were running you know the noise was incredible i and think I'm, to I'm, some extent people are starting to see football as almost well, uh, an entertainment it's, it's, yes, to where they go to be amused it's come, come on entertain me yeah and, and perhaps football itself in in the way it, it talks you know to people, not, not us, I'm not talking about us, but the way it's trying to market itself is as it's primarily 
come along and be entertained, not come along and get involved. And a lot of people would point to, you know, I, I sat there, uh, and again, uh, we're not going down the um, application of creams or anything, but I was sweating in my seat when I think it was Galatasaray were there, as two or three blokes stood on the balcony with their feet hooked under the bar, with their backs to the ground, yeah. conducting the thinking, Jesus Christ, they are going to fall off there. And, you know, I mean, that, 10 that's, yards that's, away that's from me, if a 70-year-old bloke stood up, a steward would have jumped on him and thrown him out of the ground. Mm. So th- there is this thing of when you're away from home, you can stand up and shout and yell and do you whatever you like, and you're left to do it. Mm. At Stamford Bridge, home fans, if they so much as get out of their seat are told to sit down. And so that I think is encouraging is, people to feel that they are there just uh, to receive what's going on and like, not to be like part theater, of it. Not to, not to take part. That's absolutely right. I think actually there's a couple of points. One very good point that came up <clears> is um, someone, someone should point out to Jose that it was him that moved the away or, you know, he, he got the away fans shifted from the east lower where they were next to the Matthew Harding stand. And at pitch level, so making a bit more racket, and there was far more back and forth between home and away fans. He wanted them shifted because he felt it was influencing the referees uh, or the, the linesman's decisions down that side. Um, which, whether it did or I don't, whether it was ever scientifically proven that that was the case or not. But you know, b- basically giving away a big chunk of one of you know one of our they're all key stands but you know the shed has obviously got a fair bit of history attached to it you know I, you wouldn't find Liverpool putting away fans in the cop or United, or United sticking them in the Stretford end you know I can't think that it's beyond the wit of man if you know when we go up to Newcastle we'll climb Christ knows how many flights of stairs and be way way out of the way is it not beyond the, the wit of the, the brain's trust at the bridge to Stick the away fans up in um, somewhere up in the East Upper. I, you, know, so you, know, which, you know, there was. I've got my Newcastle tickets. I'm in row 44, so I've started my altitude training. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they built the Bates Motel, and then there was the other one, which was empty since forever. I don't know if they've ever filled it up. Why don't they just put all the away fans in there with a small telly in the corner and a couple of bottles of beer and let them get on with it? Let them crack on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it. It's it's one of those things where there's there's so many different facets to the debate and and about how you can improve it or what you need to do, what the faults are, where it can be changed, and so on and so forth. Um, there's there's much to be done. So I kind of kind of credit to Mourinho because it's it actually brought the issue out and um, was was discussed reasonably reasonably well and meaningfully over the you know over the course of the debate. Yes, there was some crazy reaction but it actually got you know blogs and podcasts and and journalists talking about it and saying you know there obviously is a problem what do you think we can do about it now whether anything comes of that or not is anyone's guess but um but all credit to him for actually getting out in the open and whether inadvertently or not um but it will be interesting to see what um see what the atmosphere is like on saturday whether, whether there is whether there is any reaction, and bearing in mind we've got you know we've got a midweek game against Spurs coming up, it will be nice to strike up um, strike up a, a bit of a sing song for um, before they arrive, just to get things um, get things lined up a bit. But um, the other thing I say, perhaps in in not in defence of anyone, but as as a more realistic 
sort of title challenge unfolds, if it does this year, I wonder to some extent, do people start to, to, you know, you can go one of two ways. You can either become more raucous and more sort of excited and screaming them on, or do people start to sort of, uh, this can't go on, we're bound to slip up somewhere and start to become more nervy and as soon as they concede a goal or things aren't going well, start jumping on them. I wonder, is there a bit of that sort of, sort of tightening up? That was certainly the case, I think, at the QPR game. The nerves, people just, you know, mm. we were living on our nerves from the point they equalised, and then arguably QPR, let's, let's go sort of drift back into touching on QPR uh, mm. in, in some way. They weren't as bad, and, and no, their, but... their form since has actually shown, and they were leading up to that. Uh, mm. I, I found it a more satisfying win than perhaps a 5 or 6 nil because we mugged them off. Which mm. is what they've done to us so many times. It's nice for mm. them to walk away feeling as if they've been robbed, mugged, been done stuffed, over, yeah. or whatever. And I, I, I took a great deal of satisfaction out of that on Monday morning at work when I talked to a couple of mm. friends of mine who keep me off ads. But on the other side of it, you know, when they equalised, they then had a chance within about three or four minutes of that to go another goal up, or to go mm. to go a goal up, which would have really put the cosh on us, you know, and and would have had everybody. And I think there's a degree of that living on we we live on our nerves, maybe. <coughs> Maybe it's the same of every team that's you know protecting an unbeaten run or sitting at the top of the league or whatever. Maybe well, it's just the level of expectation think, is so great because we haven't done anything. I think we've won the, the Premiership thing. for three years or whatever. You know, so yeah, I, think, yeah. I think I think this is the thing. Is is this how how the season actually transpires or, or, or how it progresses? It's. It's noticeable. I think one of, the, one of the things I remember, you know, Ferguson has spouted a lot of nonsense, or did spout a lot of nonsense in his um, in his time. But the one thing he said about, and I'm not in for a moment suggesting we're we're, we're going to win a treble or anything like that. But the treble year, he said, one of the reasons why he thinks they did it was they were pushed all the way. It was none of it was a procession. They had to fight. They absolutely fought tooth and nail right down to the, the last minute for the league. They nearly went out of the BFA Cup. There was that. Epic semi-final ding dong with Arsenal, um, the, the Champions League final. You know, it, we've all we all saw yeah. what happened, but they were pushed every inch of the way. And actually, I th- you know, I think it will be unhealthy if we're all sitting there in the in the middle of April on a, on a, on a nice sunny spring day, singing we're going to win the league because we're fifteen points ahead. It's actually probably not the best motivation or environment in, in terms of atmosphere you know it must be a great thing as a player to feel it but that's the point where actually you know can you lift yourself for the, the next game can you lift yourself for the Champions League game you know it would be better if we were pushed and I think it would make for a better atmosphere now obviously we have no control over what what happens and you know if we are 20 points ahead in April then so be it that's what happens um, and you know I don't doubt we will find fun and joy in that Whatever, um, you know, wherever we are, you know, however many points ahead we are or behind we are or whatever. Um, but um, there's no doubt that it will have um, it will have an effect on our season. Um, anyone, anyone else want to add anything more to the um, the atmosphere debate? It was a rubbish song. I didn't like it. Oh, the, not the Russ Abbott. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I was getting carried away, and I was thinking we're all going to be starting oh, dancing what? around. You know what? I love a little bit of atmosphere, mate. <laughs> Oh yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. Any of you, any of you listeners, or if it's just the one this time, um, have you have you ever heard that? I, I do hope um, that I've I've planted an earworm there for you, <laughs> which will be 
fiendishly difficult to get hold of or to get rid of. Sorry, you know. So. I don't. I don't doubt that the listener, <laughs> as he says, will be absolutely delighted you've done that. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I just think, like Tony was saying, I wouldn't be quite as trenchant in my criticism of those who reacted. But you know, I, for myself, I didn't find it, you know, quite so irksome as, as obviously some people did. I, I think there was, you know, if Mourinho feels there's a point to be made he should make it and mm. you know there's some sort of dialogue to be had between ourselves and our team and our management maybe people might feel that's not the forum but he probably wanted to get a, a message or um, a point out there and he he did it as Jose would always do you know if if you if you like the man I suppose you you have to sort of take on board what he's saying and think about it if you don't like him then it you know but um mm. Indeed, indeed. Um, well, it's yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think the, yeah, the reaction of the crowd on um, on Saturday will be um, it will be interesting. Um, we should briefly um, touch on Maribor away, um, where we drew one all. Um, again, another one of those games where I think everyone assumed we were going to stroll out there and, and smash them for six. Um, obviously, didn't quite transpire that way. Um, we sh- we should really have won. Um, Hazard's penalty miss. Um, we had a goal wrongly disallowed for offside um and uh, yeah you know it's 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 extended the life of the group a little further um and we i think we play um Schalke at home next no it's away away no, away, away, away. Yeah. sorry yeah Schalke at home then sporting lisbon been at home. At home. yeah that's it yeah um, i think the only remarkable thing about that game again i didn't see it i was following it um on the radio and various other things is that um there was a certain level of exasperation with Scherler, which surfaced mm. or had surfaced previously and seemed to reach crescendo. Uh, it's interesting that it now appears that he's had some sort of health problem for some time. So let's yeah. hope that that's the, the basis of, of his loss of form, well, in, I think, in which yeah. case one assumes his form will return. Yeah, because, I uh, think folk have been, um, have been perhaps a little bit harsh because he, he obviously didn't have a pre-season with the side because he, he, being mm. a World Cup winner, he didn't come back until much later on. And if he's had a health you know, health issues of some variety, then um, then it's, it's a little harsh to expect him to um, to be firing on all cylinders. But um, hopefully the, cream, the he... cream is working, hopefully, and he should be well, yes. It's the 21st century equivalent of the magic sponge, isn't it? It's yep. cream, the cream that cures. Yes, in some way, maybe the ball hasn't been sitting up for him or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> But then there's rumour that he's going to be used as an exchange for Roos, R-E-U-S, however, Roos, how do you pronounce that? So maybe his days are numbered. Actually, it did strike me, it's, um, maybe our squad isn't quite as deep as we think. You know, when I travelled up to Shrewsbury, when you watch the likes of Salah and um, Mm. others that came on, they really struggled against Shrewsbury. Um... So if we did lose one or two key players, it might be a bit of a struggle. So uh, we need to keep everybody fit, particularly if we're fighting on four fronts. Mm. Mm. It's um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think um, it, it was interesting because we go back to to the Shrewsbury game, and Mourinho did comment and said, you know, I, he was. I think he was quite um, he was quite forthcoming in his praise for Mikel and the likes of Mikel and Czech who are you know they're, they're old they're old hands they kind of know they know their way around these things but um, 
but yeah, it was it was the the, the sailors of this world who, who didn't really quite, um, you know, he said didn't really give me enough of a problem. Um, which you know, whether it will come or not, I, Salah is the the one I, I have to say I've never really particularly understood. I, I, it he sort of falls into that slightly Scott Parker esque category, and the he's had some good games against us. We may as well sign him. Um, I, Personally, can't see what he's ever really done to justify that, but that's just my opinion. I think there's, all, there's a problem with, I think, these players who don't automatically slot in to the first sort of 11, 13, is that, you know, at Basel, he was playing European football. Okay, I can't really comment on the level of the, the Swiss league, but he was playing first-team football all the time, playing in Europe, building a name for himself. Mm. And you know, I'm, I'm, there's no point. To, no need to get out the violins. I, I'm leaving my tuba in its case. But <laughs> thank the Lord, there is an adjustment to be made. Then, isn't there, to, to moving into a, mm. a sort of a bigger squad where you don't get the regular football? And I think it must be quite hard. There, there are those sort of super sub type players who make a career out of you know short opportunities, either short minutes in games or a coming in while someone's injured and then disappearing away again but I, I don't think it suits all players and if you're not playing regularly and building up relationships with the, the, the other players around you and so on I think it can be quite hard I think these sort of midweek league cup games and stuff where they throw six or seven of them together I know they're working during the week and shapes and yeah, it's a tricky so on and so forth I, I just think it's it's always difficult to assess a player from those obviously Jose makes his own assessments but I mean from our point of view I agree Salah doesn't appear to be going anywhere but very often it's because I think they're just not getting the regular games they don't pick up that sort of rhythm which they've been used to for several seasons before they come to Chelsea Mm. you know De Bruyne was another one you know he didn't play regularly at Chelsea he played regularly before and now he's playing regularly since it's just it's weird no indeed indeed um so, looking forward, um, West Brom on Saturday, um, Schalke away, and um, and then Sunderland before we uh, are back on air next. So, um, we will cover those when when uh, when we are back on air next to the fortnight. I'm rambling now. I'm really lost the plot. Um, right. Well, they'll be seeing Bobby, won't they? Little Bobby Di Matteo when they go to Schalke. Mm, indeed. Of course. So, um, I'm going away to Germany next week. So, on it's the one hand, it would be nice to have wrapped the group up. But it's good that we drew at Maribor because it gives that the game some interest. A bit more. So, you know, we, we need to win, and hopefully, we'll get a few goals lead, and then we can just spend the rest of the game cheering, Robbie. Yes, yes. <laughs> will be be most enjoyable. Um, we should uh, we should briefly note that um, off the pitch, we've made a profit, eighteen million mm. quid, which um, apparently is no mean feat these days. Um, Yes, it's it's all spreadsheet. This is the sort of stuff that really concerns Arsenal fans, isn't it? It's all the the business of spreadsheets and, and boasting about turnover and EBITDA and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, we made a profit and we're top of the league. So, <laughs> has, has uh, Matthew Said taken several pages front of the Times to talk about this? He, he was fairly obsessed last year about the finances at Chelsea. I take it. Oh, was he? This, this won't have helped his mood any. No, I, um, I, 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 I find him a tiresome little bore of a man. I, I, one of the oh, he was he was well on his high horse. They, they needed quite sophisticated access equipment to get him down off it last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was so high up. 
I should. I, I will also. Uh, as I always do, throw the um, throw the message in to keep Nick happy. Um, you can browse our extensive back catalogue of more ramblings like this at www.poddingshed.com. Um, and if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, then do let us know via that website or get in touch on Twitter um, at Chelsea Blog or at the Podding Shed. Um, Actually, I, w- I was shocked at the beginning when you mentioned that this is the 58th edition. Is it 56? 56. With, yeah, yeah, with, 56. With, with, yeah. We're spent 56 times one and a half hours doing this. I can't believe it. We bear in mind that we are all donating our time for absolutely nothing. Yes, but <laughs> yeah, then think about the listener. They've had to sit through it. They could probably I'm, be I'm, doing I'm, something useful like oh, whittling no. or driving or doing the shopping or something. Yeah, but what I get really frustrated with the listener, actually. I mean, they all just sit there listening to it. Yes. <laughs> Can I say a bloody word? I mean, no. I just, can't we get a bit of feedback and atmosphere? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, all <laughs> we want a bit of noise. <laughs> there's, there's the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, if, um, if no one else has uh, anything to add, I think we should, uh, we should round up and uh, win their merry way. Okay, then. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been one of those funny few weeks when you've said like yet another international break. I don't know. Is that it now for the season? That's, or, or, that's or, it until about well, sometime early next year. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it, I always feel that the season never really quite gets going properly until you get past that November international break. And then we really hit the run of two games a week and yeah. well, you know, three games in eight days or whatever it is. Um, well, it's might, a bit premature because the international break actually isn't over. We are playing not, Scots tomorrow night. No, yeah, yeah. playing Scotland tomorrow night, aren't we? Which, yep. uh, yes, talking of, talking of well, I, I won't use the pejorative term to describe Scotsmen, but we have discussed sweat quite enough this <laughs> evening, I think. <laughs> yes, there's, there's the game against Scotland, isn't there? Indeed, yes. indeed. I think there should be more of them, but I'm... I'm, I'm Reasonably no, I think three million Scots is quite enough to be honest. Yeah, with. I, think, yeah, I think you're not you're not including the no 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 because I, I, I've, you know, there, I've, I've, I've long I've long been quite scornful of the the, 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 the kind of meaningless friendly crap and and I keep, I, I I've said it all the way along you know the, have a, have a home international or two non non Euros and non World Cup years just have the home internationals invite France along or the Republic of Ireland for a, a two or three week end of season tournament. Um, all the teams gain from a bit of tournament football at international level. There's a bit of local bragging rights, um, a little bit of local pride at stake, especially if you bring the French and, and the and the Republic into it, or and, and or either of those. Um, mm. I think you know, like the Six Nations, it would be a fantastic thing. And and to be honest, it might even be more exciting than some of the dirge we see in some of the Euros or whatever. Talking of which, well, as well, as we, should, Alex, we should we should also note that FIFA couldn't fuck it up and award said tournament to um, Qatar or whatever no. it happened to be. We'd play it in, in a nice moderate climate. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yes, exactly. It's interesting to note actually tonight that Germany are making um, quite a quite a, uh, a veiled threat uh, of, of saying that uh, UEFA could well um, find itself bundling it out of uh, FIFA, which would be uh, very interesting. I, I think oh, that that would be um, that would be a, a, a pull up a deck chair and, and some popcorn and, um, yes. and watch it all all kick off, wouldn't it? Yes, it, it would. I, 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 you wonder. I mean, could UEFA fail? They they've got the best international teams, arguably, especially now with West Germany. Uh, West Germany, sorry, Ooh, one of the teenagers there. But with Germany <laughs> winning the, the the World Cup abroad, I mean, and I think it may well spur it, it, if, if you. UEFA would look at that threat. Tony, I'm oh, sorry, you went a bit Norman Collier there. Oh, I wonder what was going on. 
Yeah, uh, I'm saying that if you yeah, it's, it's really the FIFA um, filter, they're scanning all all yeah. um, speech <laughs> on the internet and anything yeah. that opposes them. <laughs> yeah, the black the blatter filter <laughs> yeah, comes the into blatter, play. The blatter filter. I mean, it was I, quite I, staggering, wasn't it? That they 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 set up this ethical this investigation into ethics, which you know, being <laughs> FIFA was was always going to be <laughs> a sort of comedy turn. Yeah. But then they had sort of two people. They had a guy prepare the report and then someone actually do a summary and the guy who did the summary basically summarized it as uh, there's nothing to be nothing seen to see here. here move along folks <laughs> whereas the american lawyer that they drafted in said hang on a sec that's not what i said it's, it's, i said this is a bucket of shite yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the equivalent isn't it of like the, the when you if you do an exam and they say here's a here's a, a, a pricey this story and you write about something completely different you know yeah, it was it's, just, yeah, it's just incredible that they, they've got away, well they haven't got away with it i don't think they have this time and i think it's no no because i think one of the people that the man they appointed to do it basically stood up on his iron legs and said you know i did find i did find problems you know and it's just it's turned it into a complete well i don't know how much more of a farce you can turn fifa into but it's it's uh it's ridiculous. Um, Only with Blatter's trousers coming down, but then, you know, we're talking about things we don't want to see, and we've already done the bit about creams and all this sort of stuff. And it's, yeah, it, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be a sight I'd want to see, really. Let's elevate our minds above our waists. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think, really, we can afford any more probes. It's just been too uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really think it's probably time to... Can I just add one more thing, which is to say that... Not um, another finger, please. No, obviously, um, going back to uh, games against Scotland and Wales and so on, if we were to invite, or you were, or they were to invite uh, France and the Republic of Ireland into a competition, those would actually be uh, international games of football. Whereas Alex Salmond and his cohorts would probably point out that when England plays Scotland, it's not really international football, is it? Because it's part of the same. It's more of a regional tournament, isn't it? <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, well, I think you know. On that note, <laughs> <coughs> I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. I think a game against the, you know, uh, the, the the jocks will be quite quite good fun. Really, indeed. Yes. Um, in which case, I think we'll round up there. Um, okay. Thank you all for joining, and um, thank you for listening, if you did. And um, we will catch up with you next time. Gents, good night. By the way, does anyone have the address uh, of FIFA? Because I, I, I've decided I'm going to send the watch back. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Good, good night. night.